Hello and welcome to Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade. I am your host, Joel McLaughlin, and this is episode 5, and today we're going to talk about Pac-Man. Pac-Man, the arcade hit from the 80s. Um, This is one of my mother's favorite games. Uh, She loved playing this game. We played it both in the arcade as well as at home. Pac-Man was... It wasn't an arcade if it didn't have a Pac-Man machine in there, or two. Usually, there was many more than that, because people didn't want to wait to play Pac-Man. It was a great game. Uh, Pac-Man was developed by Nemco, a Japanese company. Uh, had The Japanese release of Pac-Man was in June of 1980. <clears throat> the original Japanese title of Pac-Man was called Puck-Man, and they changed it to Pac-Man for international releases as a preventative measure against defacement of arcade machines by changing the P to an F. I'm not going to say the word. You know what I mean. So, outside Japan, uh, Pac-Man was published by Midway Games as part of a license agreement with Namco America. The player controls Pac-Man, who must eat all the dots inside the enclosed maze while avoiding four color ghosts eating large flashing dots called energizers, causes the ghosts to turn blue, allowing Pac-Man to eat them for bonus points. The development of the game began in ni- early 1979 and was directed by Toru Iwatani and a nine-man team at Namco. Uh, Iwatani wanted to make a, a game that appealed to women as well as to men because most video games of the time had themes of war or sports, although the inspiration for the Pac-Man character was reportedly an image of a pizza slice with a slice removed. Pizza with a slice removed. So, yeah. Uh... Iwatani also said uh, the rounded-out Japanese character mouth for Kuchi was also the inspiration, I believe. Uh, in-game characters were made to be cute and colorful and appeal to younger players. The original Japanese title of Puckman was derived from the titular character's hockey puck shape. Pac-Man was a widespread critical and commercial success and has endured commercial and cultural legacy. Uh, the game is considered important and influential and is commonly listed as one of the greatest video games of all time. And that is true. The success of the game led to several sequels, merchandise, two television series, as well as the hit single by Buckner and Garcia, Pac-Man Fever. Pac-Man Fever, uh, I wish I could play that today, but I've got a unique spin on Pac-Man Fever. Let's get 8-Bit.
that was a little 8-bit tribute to the Buckner Ar Buckner and Garcia classic, Pac-Man Fever. I wish I could really play the the uh, original track, but uh, um, it was really, um, really, really kind of uh, a, a, one of those games that, you know, dude, like they made lunchbox. They still make lunchboxes with Pac-Man on it. They they make a stuffed Pac-Man, uh, the ghosts, uh, the cartoon, uh, many different uh, iterations of the game, both official and unofficial. Uh, one of the conversions that I was the most familiar with was the 1982 Atari 2600 conversion. Uh, that was designed by Todd Fry and published by Atari. And this was definitely kind of a horrible game. But then you got to remember what what the um, Atari had had uh, so far as uh, hardware. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about that probably in a future episode. We're going to talk about the Atari hardware specifically. But you know, the, 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 let's just say the graphics didn't look the greatest um, for that. But you can play now. You can play Pac-Man on your phone. You can play Pac-Man. Uh, Google. Uh, not too long ago, uh, they had a. I don't know if you know. One of the things Google does with um, with their uh, main Google page is they will um, bring out um, different doodles uh, created by um, sometimes by by Google, sometimes by other people. Because uh, sometimes they'll even hold a competition. But one of the, one of the doodles they had was the, an actual playable Pac-Man game. So uh, Pac-Man uh, spawned many sequels. Uh, probably the ones... I'm going to kind of go over a little bit of the ones that uh, we know the most. Uh, one of the ones that was the first one was Ms. Pac-Man. Ms. Pac-Man was developed uh, by... American-based General Computer Corporation published by Midway in 1982. The character's gender was changed to female in response to Pac-Man's popularity in women uh, with new mazes, moving bonus items, and faster gameplay being implemented to increase its appeal. Ms. Pac-Man was one of the best-selling arcane games in North America and is often seen as being superior to its predecessor. Uh, legal concerns raised over who in the game caused Ms. Pac-Man to become owned by Namco. Uh, so Namco didn't even write Ms. Pac-Man. It was somebody else. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, basically, the game sit machines from then on was were being made by Namco. A Ms. Pac-Man inspires its own line of remakes, including Ms. Pac-Man Maze Madness from uh, the year two thousand, Ms. Pac-Man Quest and or Ms. Pac-Man Quest for the Golden Maze in it doesn't say what year on that one, um, and then Namco's own follow-up uh, to the original Pac-Man was called Super Pac-Man, released in nineteen eighty-two. Uh, it was followed by a Jap Japan exclusive Pac and Pal in 1983. Midway produced many other Pac Man sequels during the 1980s, including Pac Man Plus, Junior Pac Man, Baby Pac Man, Professor Pac Man, and other games, including the isometric Pac Mania, Side Scrollers Pac Land, Hello Pac Man, uh, Pac Land was 1984, Hello Pac Man was 1994, Pac in Time was 1995, 3D platformer. Pac-Man World was 1999. Puzzle games, uh, Pac-Attack and Pac-Picks. Uh, Pac-Attack was 1991. Pac-Picks was 2005. 
Iwatani designed Pac-Lan and Pac-Mania, both which remained his favorite games in the series. Pac-Man Championship Edition, published by Xbox three, on, for the Xbox 360 in 2007, was Iwatani's final game before leaving the company. Its neon visuals and fast-paced gameplay were met with acclaim, uh, leading to the creation of Pac-Man Championship Edition DX and Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 uh, in 2016. Uh, Coleco made a tabletop mini arcade version in the 80s, uh, which sold 1.5 million units in 1982. Nelsonic Industries produced the Pac-Man LCD wristwatch game with a simplified maze in 1982. Namco Networks sold a downloadable Windows PC version of Pac-Man in 2009, which also includes an enhanced mode, which replaces all the original sprites with sprites from Pac-Man Championship Edition. Namco Networks made a downloadable bundle, which includes a PC version of Pac-Man. It's ported Dig Dug, Namco All-Stars, Pac-Man, and Dig Dug. Um, that was what that was called. Uh, Namco and Bandai announced the release of the game on Windows Phone 7 and the Xbox Live game. Uh, and uh, previously I mentioned the Google Doodle. That was May 21st through 23rd of 2010, uh, where they had the playable version of the game as the Google Doodle. And that was for the 30th anniversary of the game's release. So let's say Pac-Man was a wild and raging success. And it's still being made today. Now, um, outside of video games, uh, Pac-Man, like I said, they had collectibles and stuff like that. But it was also included in, in uh, movies. Like in 2015, uh the movie Pixels, starring Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Michelle Monaghan, uh, Peter Dinklage, Josh Gad, and uh, a host of others. Um, that included Pac-Man on the uh, movie poster. And there was a Pac-Man scene in the game, which is pretty hilarious. Um, it wasn't the, I'll say this, it wasn't the greatest movie, but, you know, it is what it is. So, um, and then the... Uh, thing I remembered uh, in the 80s there was a Pac-Man cartoon I'm trying to remember let's see Pac-Man cartoon I'm trying to remember what they called that show um, Pac-Man cartoon uh, basically had um, both Ms. Pac-Man and Baby Pac-Man and there was a cat and the dog Pac-Man, uh, and um, it was a really, really kind of cool cartoon from the '80s. Uh, so it would, you know, so it's everywhere. Pac-Man fever is driving me crazy. <laughs> but you know, uh, but more to the story that you know, Pac-Man for me was it was a proof that video games aren't just a guy thing. Uh, they in a lot of games, they they're all about war and about um, shooting things. You know, Space Invaders was that way. Uh, Pac-Man really wasn't that way, and uh, that, I think that's one of the reasons why it was one of my mother's favorite games. So, um, but Pac-Man, you know, you're listening to this show, so you know about it. Um, <laughs> go go find you know, any kind of iteration of it. 
uh, and give it a whirl, and uh, you're going to enjoy yourself and have a great time. So, um, last week uh, we had uh, our first my first. I do not have a another my first from another listener, but I am going to have one for my own. I'm going to talk about what was my first computer. Okay, and you might think my first computer was an IBM compatible machine, and actually, no, it wasn't. Uh, my first computer was an Atari 800XL. The Atari 800XL uh, was very much like a lot of the 8-bit computers of that day. Uh, it was developed using the MOS 6502 8-bit processor chip. Um, and really what made the difference of what was what made an Atari computer an Atari computer and a Commodore computer a Commodore computer were all the t- chips that were surrounding that main 6502 chip commodore had uh, a chip called the vic chip uh, that's where they got the name vic 20 for the first commodore machine that probably most people remember a lot of people don't remember the very first one which was the pet uh, but uh, the commodore vic 20 and the commodore 64 all used the same kind of chip and it was all these chips that surrounded it the commodore 64 added the sid chip which was a music chip Atari had a chip called the Antic chip, the GTIA chip uh, on the 800XL, and uh, prior to that, it was a CTIA chip. So all these different custom chips around it um, was really what made them different, and that's kind of what made computing in the 80s up until when IBM brought out their machine um, kind of, uh, you know, it was difficult. Like if your friend had a Commodore 64, you couldn't take your Atari 800XL game and go play that. Right. But one of the reasons why I liked the Atari 800XL was just like the Atari 2600, it had cartridges. Um, if you ever seen the uh, Atari 5200, the Atari 8-bit computer line was very similar to the Atari 5200 50, in that uh, it basically had, had the same chips inside of it uh, that uh, the computers did. Uh, it just had an awful controller. So, um, But that was my first uh, 8-bit computer my first computer at all, uh, and uh, I loved it. In fact, uh, I don't have my actual first Atari 800XL, but I have another one that I picked up off of eBay. Uh, and I think eventually when uh, when I moved to the new studios uh, in uh, February or March um, of 2021, uh, then uh, I'll probably make a dedicated space for it because I'll actually have the space uh, in the studios. And I don't even have a name for the studios. So, so um, you know, I, I need to figure that out. I'd love to have a name like Members Only Studios, which is from living in the 80s with my friend Rob Fott. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, but uh, that that's something I, I, I'd like to, to do. So if you have an idea for what I can name uh, my little recording area, <laughs> uh, let me know. So And, of course, please send the... My first, my first console, my first arcade game, whatever. I don't care. I want to know what was your first experience of the '80s in video games. So, um, to that end, I do have a special announcement. Um, I don't know when. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, this show is also going to be played on Roundtown Radio, uh, thanks to uh, uh, my mutual friend Flounder. Uh, with Rob Fott, um, he he's he's a 
got uh, me. To, I, I just decided to talk to him. His, his real name's Travis. Uh, he actually goes to my church, and uh, so Travis and I talked. And uh, he's gonna put my show on on, uh, on uh, Roundtown Radio, just like uh, living in the '80s. So that that's an awesome thing. And then my friend Rob, uh, he's going into. I need to find a cha- the station he's gonna be on, but he's gonna be hosting an '80s countdown um, on. Um, a radio station somewhere um, once a week, so that's gonna be kind of cool, and he'll get to play the actual full song because they'll have uh, all the rights to do that. So, all right, well, this has been Living in the Shade in the '80s Arcade, Episode Five. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. This is the first episode, of September two, by the way. So, um, August is over, and we're going into the fall. Uh, the fall should be about a lot of fun things, and unfortunately. It's, not going to be a lot of fun things. A lot of the fun things have been uh, canceled due to COVID. So, in any event, have a great week. Keep living in that shade. Go play you some video games. Mm-hmm.